0: welcome to the mojo market report here's your hosts dave sturgio and chris gucci what's going on everybody welcome to the Mojo Market Report here on a Wednesday morning. We hope you guys are doing well out there. We hope you guys have enjoyed this week's worth of content all over the social media platforms on Mojo, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Discord, everything that they're doing over there. I hope you guys are following along and keeping up with Dave Sturcio and Chris Gucci, A5, behind the glass here at Chop Studios. Now, last week, um, last Wednesday in particular, you know, we're searching here for... Um, not things to talk about, but things that would interest us. And when we got access to dive deeper into what would have been if Mojo was around, um, I think that's a really cool, cool thing to talk about and a cool thing to dive into. But the reason why I bring that up today in specific is because there is a, an older receiver, a more experienced receiver has been in the league for a while He's about to make his return, okay? And we're talking about a DeAndre Hopkins coming off of suspension. Now, again, everybody knows the story. He gets traded from over uh, you know, from the Texans over to the um the Cardinals for a bag of balls. And um was that the David Johnson trade? I think it was straight up, right? Or something like that. It was, it was all-
1: the David Johnson trade and they got picks. Yeah, it was a tough. It was a bad trade. A
0: bad trade. And I believe that was Bill O'Brien still making the calls over there. So nobody actually knew what the heck he was doing. Uh, But DeAndre Hopkins acquired by the Cardinals. He obviously gels kind of right away with a a Kyler Murray. And then obviously... Over the offseason, he gets popped for PEDs, six game suspension, no appeal. He's just like, all right, look, I'm just okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty. All right, fine, done. So he's about to be done. It's uh, believe it or not, we're entering week six. So this is the final game that DeAndre Hopkins is missing this week uh, this year. Um, and the Cardinals right now, look, they need him. Oh, it's it's very apparent that the Cardinals absolutely need a DeAndre Hopkins in their lives. Um, but when it comes to the Mojo market, Chris, I ask you are you right away in on a guy like DeAndre Hopkins considering, you know, look, obviously he hasn't played a game yet, right? Um, but his, his, his statistics and his, um, his, his, his career numbers, so they speak for themselves. Like he's one of the top receivers in football, and he's almost forgotten because like when you do all the fantasy drafts and the mock drafts and all that stuff that comes up in the offseason, and you're like, well, he's going to miss six games, so that's the reason why he falls. But in reality, when this guy's on the field, He's one of the best going. Are you in on him early?
1: I'm in on him early. In 2022. <laughs> I don't know how long I'm going to be in on him for. I, obviously, the talent is there, and he's in a situation where he's going to inherit most of the targets because he's by far their best, most talented player, I would say, on both sides of the ball. But the reason why I want to talk about Hopkins here more so than anything is because of the strategy that I like people to implore when identifying players that are solid Good veteran players, or even star players at that, guys that have high expectations, that are either a dealing with an injury or b, in this case, dealing with a suspension. And when you're at the tail end of said suspension or said injury recovery, all it takes is that good news. Yeah. Once they say, "Hey, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, one more week." I was I was scrolling t- Instagram or Twitter the other day, and I, I came across a meme, and it was um, it was I think it was Walter White. Okay, and love he it. Said, one
0: more week, and it was DeAndre (laughs)
1: Hopkins to his fantasy owners, well guess what, he was talking to Mojo market players as well, because that got me thinking, and I was like, you know what, I look back, and every single time there was a player that was announced ready to play, they saw an uptick, so whether or not you buy into DeAndre Hopkins, for the rest of his career, you should buy into DeAndre Hopkins for at least the next two weeks because I would imagine as soon as this weekend passes and the Sunday games are behind us, he's then officially allowed back into the facility. in <laughs> the way of DeAndre Hopkins joining the team, and you're going to see a good news report come out. Adam Schefter's is going to tweet: DeAndre Hopkins joins the Cardinals. Sources sure have said, for I... <laughs> and then, week, and then that, that following Sunday, he's going to suit up and play. Um, whether he does good or bad is kind of irrelevant in the regard well, of you get the news. You could sell as soon as the news drops you could you could trade that's the true. Place, I mean and look, then that's... you could make a small return if you want to keep keep hold of it. I would say you know maybe it's going to go up so if you use a multiplier, then you could kind of cash out and then reinvest if you want to buy into his career, but I could almost guarantee you a significant not a significant but a small spike in a DeAndre Hopkins once he gets announced ready to return
0: so do you have any trepidation whatsoever when it comes to? the acclamation of 2022 like you say buy it now and then you know watch for the good news spike right and then kind of sell before the game even starts but is there any trepidation to somebody that actually does want to go long on a DeAndre Hopkins right now knowing that it might take a couple of weeks like are you going to just be are you could you be patient with a DeAndre Hopkins
1: i would be a little more worried if DeAndre Hopkins was coming off of a serious injury. In this case, he's not. So he's actually a fresh body getting Mm -hmm. to enter week six or week seven of the NFL season where there's a couple guys that are dealing with some wear and tear. He's not. I don't know how much the PEDs were affecting his play in a positive way or not. So there is that element to consider. Like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, he got busted for PEDs. Yeah, What's he going to do with PEDs? I,
0: with PEDs and stuff, it's just more like banned substance. Uh, so it could course. have been anything. I mean, you know what I mean, look,
1: DeAndre Hopkins did not appeal, so he didn't get to see the entire report come to light. So maybe there was a reason why he didn't, because if he had, yeah, then yeah. the public would have known what he was actually doing. So I'm not so sure how that works, to be honest. But I know that I'm in on Hopkins at least for the next couple weeks because I'm going to inherit that little spike in – in value as soon as they announce that he's coming back.
0: I'm in. I'm in on that, too. But it got us thinking, right? DeAndre Hopkins coming on board, coming back. So what about his 2013 draft class, right? He comes in there, and it's a very interesting comparison as we go retro-booming today because we want to compare the 2013 draft class, and then we're said, okay, 2013, DeAndre Hopkins comes onto the scene. There's a couple guys that you know come in with him. How could, who could we compare that to in regards to that? So when you look at this 2020 draft class – It's easily compared. So if you look at 2013 with DeAndre Hopkins, he comes in uh, into the league as a very late pick. He came in as the 27th overall pick, obviously, to the Houston Texans. If you want to make some comparisons to um, guys that are relevant in his, his class, that are still somewhat active today. I mean, I say somewhat. I only say somewhat because... I know that Corderell Patterson's hurt right now, but when he gets and, back, and he'll be ready to And because he's also run.
1: now, he identifies as a running back.
0: <laughs> he, yeah, so that's, that's another one I'm like, eh, well, you know, he's a running back now. Uh, Corderell Patterson was also drafted 20, uh, 29th overall. But then, like, you find that gem. Who's that gem of the 2013 draft? If you search into the third round, you got a guy named Keenan Allen. You might have heard of him. What's very similar, as we dive into those guys, There's a first-round bust. We didn't omit anybody. We're actually, you know, as far as... The comparison between the two or the three here, that's easy because we can compare their careers because of longevity and they're still there. A1, Tavon Austin was also selected eighth overall in that year. We don't got to talk about Tavon. Great kick returner. Okay, great hey, kick returner. He, return. carved he out a pan. nice
1: decade in the NFL. I'm not really – Yeah, I mean, look, my he My heart does <laughs> not bleed for Tavon Austin. He has no, a solid little career.
0: Uh, but the funny part is about the 2013 draft. Now, if you look at their, um, their share price right now and if you pull that up, 2013. Uh, so, look. DeAndre Hopkins right now sitting there at twenty three ninety six and he hasn't played it down yet this year, so that's relevant to the rest of the guys who who's around De- DeAndre Hopkins right now. You had you wrote so, down yeah,
1: Hopkins is is sandwiched in between Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill. All
0: right, so Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams both having very very productive years right now. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't done anything and he's still sitting there. So you got to assume that the expectations and the, uh, the future projections for this guy for this year are relatively good.
1: So they only have him projected for the rest of his career at five sixty. Um, I actually don't have in front of me, his average bank value per season, but essentially what you're get what you're betting against when you're when you're investing in a player is his future market expectations. And, uh, I think that DeAndre Hopkins steps into a situation where that's, that's feasible. Um, a really good second half this year, and that will shoot up for sure. Yeah, I can't not say that I'm in on Hopkins because Hopkins has done nothing but produce every season that he's been in the league so far. So I, I'm not, I'm personally not in on Hopkins long-term because of preference. That's literally what it comes down to. But if you're a DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> guy – I can't imagine you're not yeah, no, on DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Listen, again, his career numbers speak for themselves. He's got, you know, over almost 1,300 targets. They like throwing him the football in his career, okay? That, that's a given. Um, but when you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, much like we've talked about every other receiver that we've ever talked about in the first three weeks, four weeks of this show, is that it all really depends on who's throwing him the rock. And Kyler Murray, the the the, the – what is it called? The jury? The jury's not out? Yeah, but the, the jury. jury's not out. The jury's not out, <laughs> <laughs> out
1: on Kyler as far not as yet. how he's going to – be a long-term NFL quarterback. But the jury is definitely out on the fact that Hopkins has at least some solidarity at the quarterback position. They just gave um, Kyler Murray that deal. That's going to extend at least through DeAndre Hopkins' career. At the end of the day, Kyler Murray was the first overall pick. He he's was. He's a super talented quarterback. He is. And he's only in, he's what is he, in year three?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think year so. Year three
1: or four, it's not over it yet. It doesn't out matter. Kyler
0: Murray. All I know is he got paid. Last before his year, before his options, just so, remember yeah. <laughs> last year at
1: this time, one year ago today, they were undefeated and Kyler Murray was at the top of the MVP race. Now I understand that that's week six and they it's taken a sour turn since then, dating back to last year's second half all the way into this year. But no, I'm I think Kyler Murray could flick it still, and that that offense at least is built to put up passing stats. I think the defense is a real issue there, and that's actually going to play well for the pass catchers and the passing offense. So I would yeah, have. I'm, I'm convincing myself here to be in on DeAndre Hopkins.
0: I'm with it. I'm with it. Uh, somebody else, obviously from that draft class uh, of note, we already talked about Patterson. Uh, Patterson's future uh, projections right now is only sitting at a dollar seventy-one. So a lot of people are, and look, that's running backs as well. So then now you have to factor that in. But a lot of people are saying like, "Oh, nice little season, nice little career, good job for finding your way nine years later." Uh, but you know, we don't. It the base based off of his price right now. I would say if you think Corderell Patterson is going to exceed these expectations, now's the time to get in it, right? I mean, or exceed the projections.
1: Yeah, I think this is a very, very risky play. Uh, Running backs in general are a little bit risky. So when we're talking about a receiver that's now converted to a running back, I understand he hasn't had the wear and tear that a typical running back at the age of 31 would have. But I still – they're in a – they're. They're at a run happy offense, and that plays well for him when he does get back. But at the same time, getting the ball 20, 25 times a game, you see what happens to Cordell. Well,
0: yeah. Also, you know, put a little respect on the uh, the the seven targets that he has in four weeks.
1: (laughs) You would think they treat him like a receiver. I gotta admit, you would think they throw him out of the backfield more. more, hundred percent reception. I was was actually kind of taken
0: back by that number. I was like, "Well, wait a minute." I
1: I feel the same way about Antonio Gibson. He played receiver in college. Doesn't like J D. McKissick is the pass catching back.
0: Well, that's probably why they also make it
1: make sense. House (laughs) way,
0: so they. I'm trying to think. They had him listed as a kick returner too, as the safe option, not to drop a ball. So that goes. That um, at least shows you that he has the the hands, right? The the confidence was there. Anyway, we'll get into all that when uh, you know when that offense starts clicking. Because according to Ron Rivera, they don't have a quarterback. (laughs) So that's another story for another day. Uh, I could have told you that a long time ago, but in any event. One more guy, Keenan Allen, somebody to t- just pay attention to because he's up 343% <laughs> over his career. So my estimation is that Keenan Allen, now only playing one game this year so far, four catches, four targets, um, which is great, you know, 100%. Awesome. Uh, he's in an offense where he will be used until he's not there anymore. And when I say that, the Chargers are in a situation right now where they're paying two of their receivers $20 million a piece. That obviously is not sustainable in this new NFL salary cap, up against the cap, cap hell, all that stuff you hear about. Does the cap exist? That that remains to be seen. <laughs> there's people out there that think, ah, no, there's no way. Uh, just ask the Rams. Um, but a guy like Keenan Allen, is that somebody that is, I, 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 dare I say, I'm not going to say the word safe, but when he does come back and he is healthy because of the fact that they have Mike Williams, do you expect a good – projection for Keenan Allen going forward, even if he finds himself on a different squad down the, down the line, because he's, he's obviously not going to retire anytime soon. So how do you feel about Keenan Allen right now? I don't feel too good about Keenan Allen. Doesn't feel Allen. good. I, I like the Chargers offense,
1: but I like the young guys in the offense. I like Herbert. I like Mike Williams. I like Gerald Everett. Keenan Allen, when I'm looking at guys at the position, I'm looking at guys that have not hit their prime yet. Keenan Allen has certainly passed his prime. There is a chance that he outplays his market projections, but I think that there's yeah. a stronger chance that at his age that the wheels come off on, on him a little bit. They are starting to. And look, I'm a big Keenan Allen guy. I do believe that he's been one of the most underrated receivers over the last decade in the NFL. But that's always been the case, and it's that's carrying with him now. So even though I think he was underrated, it may be putting a little bit of a um, tarnish on what I think of him now because I've always kind of felt that way, right. so it could be bleeding in here. But I just think that the loaded talent at the position, the amount of talent that's come into the league over the last two seasons, which Whoa. it's astounding. We did a deep dive into the receiver classes, obviously to <laughs> identify wrong. which one we were going to talk about today. And it's just it's, it's, it's astounding tough. to me <laughs> how many guys were productive right away. As we get into the further segment of Retro Boomin, I'm going to talk about a guy that was like the first receiver that was drafted that did really well in his rookie season. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but it's just not, uh, it's not, it's very rare. And because of that, it's like, how could you look at Keenan Allen as a buy? He already had accumulated most of what he's gonna do in his career. The banked value, if he retired today, that's all he's gonna get. So the future, you're banking on the future with Keenan Allen. I think there's a lot of guys with a much
0: brighter future in this league. And you say that as we kind of segue into the 2020 draft class. Now we said it yesterday while sitting in the office, we're talking kind of brainstorming this show and we're like, Man, are we spoiled right now with the last couple of years of these receivers, some of the most like physically gifted, and talented dudes what? in the world.
1: No, nothing is changing next year. There's nothing. Some, uh, so it,
0: there's some when you look at 2020, obviously I have some bias to it because, you know, the Cowboys got themselves their future wide receiver one. CeeDee Lamb has taken 17th overall, right? He's up 109% in just three years' time. Uh and then you, you did ask me, you, you know, you, you tread it lightly. You know that I, I, I feel some sort of way about it. But you're like, uh, are you are you upset that you didn't draft Justin Jefferson? I just Jefferson? said, like, my whole
1: question is there's a lot of um, Jalen Rager memes going around. Yeah. Now they're teammates, and it's a cool story. Great. But when are the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys memes going to start popping up that they really took CD over
0: Justin Jefferson? Yeah, but stop it. No. Nope. Stop it. Yeah. But no, the way I see CeeDee Lamb is much better than Jalen Rager. 100%. Yeah, yeah so like, we're, not, day, we're not sitting there with buyer's remorse. At the
1: end of the day, you're you're talking
0: about, but here's the thing. I think CeeDee's a solid receiver. I'm I'm
1: definitely, I so might even be in on CeeDee, but is, I'm all the way in on Right, on so in Jetta.
0: 2022 alone, as we all, we all know that Justin Jefferson is just all world, I, I just, uh, as a comparison, you know, CeeDee Lamb's been fed 50 targets, and he's got 28 catches, two touchdowns. I'm like, oh. All right, cool. You know, uh, uh, the Vikings have uh, thrown the ball to Justin Jefferson fifty-five times, which is just five more than Ceedee Lamb. He's got forty grabs already um, and two touchdowns, and just and a there whole like boatload of yards. There
1: was two weeks where Justin Jefferson was not
0: involved in the offense, now, even a shred. And now, also, let's 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 you know call it how it is. Cooper Rush is throwing the ball to Ceedee Lamb for the last four weeks of football, and that offense has looked completely Cooper different.
1: Ru- I believe Cooper Rush is one and zero against. Kirk Cousins. He is. He that is.
0: was last year. Halloween ish time. Uh, maybe it was November. I don't know. No, I, I we understand want in, that. In I understand we that, in, that, it. But, in but their house. I think that the main but. issue with CD is the drops, but that yes. doesn't really stop the
1: talent. The talent is there. The drops, you'd hope he fixes that, but that's some of that could just be an
0: anomaly. Um. Right. And I have to say this just like we said, we mentioned Tavon Austin as a first round early pick bust just so happens that 2020 has the same thing. I mean, it's a different, way different scenario, way different situation because the bust uh, of 2020 was obviously Henry Ruggs for outside of football reasons. But he was drafted early, and he'll never play football again in his life. So it's like one of those things where if Mojo was around and you got really excited, you're like, man, Ruggs is going to light the world on fire. And then he does what he does without any bank value, Chris – you lose so, all yeah, that money. Yeah, yeah, it's That's actually gone. a
1: good indicator. We'll talk about Henry Ruggs. He's going to resurface in this episode.
0: Ah, yes. Okay, more Henry Ruggs. But eh, pull up the 2020 graphic because I want to show the comparison between the two of them. Oh, or the three of them, sorry. CeeDee Lamb sitting there at 1902. Justin Jefferson, was, as we talked about last week, top dog right now. So he kind of just, just boomed right to the top. But then you have a guy like a guy, somebody that here's a guy. I feel like Collinsworth again that we've been talking about for three weeks now, and we want you to diversify your portfolio with Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay was taken 92nd overall in the 2020 draft, and I I, I quizzed you. I said, bro, guess what? We found one. There's there's a gem at the back end of this draft, and you know you guessed a couple and like no. No, no, it's not him. It's your guy and you're like your guy your I guy. just don't think Devontae. of him I don't
1: think <laughs> I don't think of Duvernay as a wide receiver. I think of him as a football well, player. Well, you better. He's you better an all because all around football player, this guy does it all. I'm all in on Duvernay. Du- I've talked about him every chance that I've gotten. And he just passes the eye test for me. I'm not even concerned about the numbers because uh, there's the good I numbers. Get, I know, I know, but I'm not even concerned about the numbers. I'm not I, I I just know what I'm seeing when I'm watching Duvernay. He reminds me of a young Randall Cobb. It maybe take a, a little bit longer to get going because of the, the usage, the way they used him in his first two seasons. But if you look at his first two seasons, he's he's gotten significantly better in each of them. And this year you already know what he's doing. He was leading the league in touchdowns through two weeks, through three weeks. So. Listen,
0: he's got 20 targets, so they're looking for him in, in some regards. 17 catches, 226 yards, and three touchdowns in five weeks. And he's got some rushing attempts. And he, ran, and, and he took one to the house. And,
1: <laughs> and he has a kick return for a touchdown. That's what I'm saying. He house called so, a yeah, kick return. He's so, returning punch, returning kicks, getting handoffs.
0: My question to you is, riddle me this, right? Keenan Allen comes into the league uh, when he got in here, I have it written down. No, he I came in not, here.
1: I do not think Devin Duvernay is going to turn into Keenan
0: Allen. No, I could, I could not see, even, not even
1: close. I could like, see Randall Cobb. What was
0: Duvernay's price again? Bring that up again. Ed? I, I, could that see, was I could see Cole Beasley. Five, I six, could uh, see Randall
1: could, Cobb. I could see guys that are just slot receivers that are good. They, huh. they managed a long, nice career in the league. Uh, uh, I was going to say Brandon Lloyd. Oh, these names started no. popping up yesterday. Yeah, no,
0: I, I know these names. They were like, oh, I remember him for but the yeah, practice Duvernay, squad.
1: Duvernay, Duvernay, Randall Cobb. Jace, maybe not as good because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. But what I'm saying anymore.
0: is, what I'm saying is right now you got Keenan Allen, right? <sighs> hmm. I don't know. I just feel like Duvernay has a shot to be, uh, especially in that offense, when they don't have the number one really designated, besides, like, Bateman's been he touted to be he, the number one, but he's, he hasn't delivered yet.
1: Devin DuVernay doesn't
0: have the attributes that a Keenan Allen has. Oh, I can't wait to go back. That's, Five years into our Mojo show, I can't wait to come back and say, I hope look so. at DuVernay I hope so. go. If,
1: if Devin DuVernay, well, bro, I'll be rich. <laughs> if Devin DuVernay <laughs> turns into Keenan Allen, let's just say that, because, you know, I'm all about my
0: boy. I have an office DuVernay. right next to some of the higher-ups at Mojo. Yeah, man. <laughs> just be like, hey, go. I'm the guy who uh, invested in DuVernay in 2022. Remember. I hope me? you
1: guys joined the party with me because we got Keenan Allen in the making, according to Dave. No, it's you. more like Randall <laughs> hey, Cobb. But hey, if you see what Randall Cobb is about right now, if Devin Duvernay turns about into about that Randall third Cobb, down, yeah. We're
0: all good, boys. Right.
1: We're all good. I I'm promise. with this.
0: I'm with it. All right. So this is the interesting part of this, okay? Because obviously we compared the two classes. We got 2020, 2013. The interesting part about this is what you mentioned before. When we, after 2013, and we did our research there in 2020, and like I said, we're spoiled right now. We're getting receivers after receivers, deeper classes every single year. If you go back to where, as far back as we can go on that, you know, in depth, you know, uh, spreadsheet—I guess you could call it—it um, it is a spreadsheet. <laughs> like I guess you can call it a right. It's definitely a spreadsheet. Uh, but if you go back and you look at the draft classes of wide receivers, it was tough sledding to find. Any relevant receivers from like the year 2000 to like 2014. It wasn't
1: that it was tough to find one in a class like there was. Larry but like, Fitzgerald, where's but the then class? Where's the, Yeah,
0: where's the where's the?
1: We class? are very spoiled. We're just we just listen. We went and dove, got comfortable accepting all these 31 starting receivers a year in 2000. That's another reason why I'm not in on Keenan Allen. There's just too much talent being influxed into the league.
0: So these old heads get pushed yeah, out. It's tough, man. It's I always tough. look at Keenan Allen like him and Mike Evans are like Spider Man meme. I feel like that's very comparable. Two
1: highly underrated receivers that are just highly productive every year. Yeah, Keenan Allen is like the new Amari,
0: the old Amari Cooper. So if you go back, doesn't
1: get any respect, but is a great route runner and is very productive every year.
0: Right. If you go back to a young senior year of high school for one Dave Stergio in 2003. Okay, that's the last time we saw a class, and when I say class, I mean two guys that really stick out and stand out. And we're talking about Andre Johnson and, of course, Anquan Bolden. Now, these guys, they carved out themselves a career. And they're the last ones of the – like the last of the Mohegans when it comes to having a comparable class. Like you look at these guys and receivers, their life expectancy in the NFL – is a little longer based off your role. Like, you see guys that have been playing in the league for 10, 11 years because of an underneath role, like a Danny yeah. Amendola well, or somebody like that. The but numbers
1: like, are skewed on that. We've talked about that's, it. That's like very the, true. There's so many receivers join the getting a shot in the league that it brings the number down because when you kick the tires on 13 guys in camp and half of them only last two months, it brings the numbers down significantly. But I do agree that this is one of the... I I like this class because it brings a a rookie receiver into this class that did well right out of the gate. Anquan Bolden lit it on fire out of Florida State when he joined the Cardinals. And that team, man, that was one of the most fun teams to watch play. I wish I could say I'm all in on Anquan Bolden because he's like (laughs) Debo, but like 20 years ago, very Uh similar player. Um, but Andre Johnson was one of the best players of all time. And the reason why best receivers, in my opinion, of all time, I Yeah, I was gonna, pump the brakes. Here come the comments. But the reason why I was interested in, in bringing these guys into the fold is because when we talk about, you could bring up that next graphic, Ant, when we talk about retired players, we don't really have an Very understanding close, as to what, what their entry, when a player retires in the mojo market, obviously their future projections are gone, right? Goodbye. Their, mar- their market projections are gone. And by the time they're retired, all of their all of their entry point value, that's also gone because they've now established a new baseline for the talent and the expectation. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring this up because I just want to explain a, a little bit about how the market projections and, and the actual share prices work. So when you want to come up with a guy's share price, it's, it's exactly this. It's banked value plus market projections. So in this case, these guys retired. Andre Johnson may have had... Another dollar twenty, we'll say for for this case, because it'll be easy to do the math. Mm-hmm. He may have had another dollar twenty in future projections, future market projections, but when he retired, his bank value was twenty-five eighty. So it goes down to twenty-five eighty. Conversely, a guy like Jamison Williams, which I can't wait to talk about right now, when Jamison Williams joins the the party in Detroit, he's gonna have only future market projections and $0 bank value. If he retired today, you invest in him at we'll say $11. If you invest in him today and he he decides tomorrow that he wants to retire or he does a Henry Ruggs and he doesn't play in the league, then you lose your entire investment because he has nothing banked. So essentially when you play the market, you are you're betting against the market projections and the risk the risk that you're playing with is the market value uh, the bank value. So if you have bank value already, that's the most risk The risk stops there; it can't go below that. So that gives you a better understanding, and I think it clarifies something that we were talking about last week with the quarterbacks and their entry level value. That goes away in the in the mojo market as you set a
0: new bar. And the minute the minute, well, (laughs) raise your hand. Uh, Listen, Chris. (laughs) No. So what what you're saying is, you know, as soon as they take the field, you no longer lose that that investment. No.
1: Well, you do because he. For example, so say Jameson Williams has one game, but he doesn't have a catch. Okay. Right? He took the field. He's going to he drop a little he bit. He didn't accumulate anything. He can't drop. He can drop a little bit because his market projections would probably then drop. But let's just say he didn't have a catch in one game. Okay. And then the next game he retired, it would still be zero. It would still lose all of it. But it, let's say he had a, 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Whatever that's worth in the mojo market in terms of bank value, and then he retired, you would have that.
0: At the very least. At the very least. Okay.
1: So there becomes a floor. So the risk is? As you accumulate stats, you create a floor, and that becomes your safety net. So you're not you're not really risking any more than that. So a basically player the bottom can't, can't drop out a, on a, a player. A player can't drop below okay. his bank value. Okay. Makes so sense. So can't drop below his bank value, and when you want to make money, you're, you're banking on the fact that he's going to exceed his market projections. If you were to hold him until his retirement, which I think is another conversation to be had, which is I don't believe you should ever do that. I believe wholeheartedly in selling a player at the highest peak of his career. So, so if I get Justin Herbert and he gets he turns 27 and he wins his second Super Bowl, I'm selling right then. Because there's a chance
0: that it only goes downhill from there in terms of his... Downhill, but maybe the percentages aren't really that heavy is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like So like you say downhill, they might say 1%. You know what I mean? That also depends on how much you've invested too. So, but what I'm asking you—well, well, you-
1: for example, though you see a lot of quarterbacks like a Russ that's been in the hundred hundred dollar club. He was good. He he had he's been playing in Super Bowls, and now look what happened to Russ. The wheels came off in the second in the twilight of his career. You could call it a twilight. I don't know if he even made it to the twilight. He's cooked. It came out. Yeah, it, the, the wheels came off a little sooner. So if you were thinking, okay, I got Russ. It's going to be peaches and cream the rest of the way. He's going to keep on going up like a like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. That's not always the case. So I, I believe that you get the guy at his peak when his market projections are as high as possible. And he has a really good bank value. That's the time that I'm looking to sell these players. When, when I'm playing long term.
0: So if you have. All right. So h- hear me out. Just arbitrarily conversation about yeah. a guy like Tom I Brady.
1: This is a good stuff. Yeah. I like this.
0: So for, for a guy like Tom Brady, um, last year, if Mojo was around and he announced his retirement and he went on this social media thing and blah, blah, blah. At that point, I got I to gotta look. I got to look back because it's just one of those curious questions. Like, at that point, did he dip because everybody thought he was gone? But then all of a so, sudden, three weeks later, so, he's like, I don't want to be anywhere near my yes, family. Yes, I'm coming back. Yes. So, <laughs> so I don't have the model to look right, at Right, I know. It, I'm just curious to know how that works. To
1: my understanding, the way it would work would be... Um, let's just say right now, it's actually a good indicator. So Tom Brady right now, I believe his future market projections are like a dollar eighty.
0: Okay. Right? So clearly he's not winning another Super Bowl. Thank
1: God. Well, they just if he it, does, it, if it, you it, think he's going to win another Super Bowl, that's multipliers and it lends longer. it lends more to the fact that that the league thinks the market projects that Tom Brady is not going to play past this season because if they thought that he was going to so play oh next God. year, <laughs> then they would they would add probably three or four dollars to his. Projected bank va- uh, projected market projections because if you look at his career bank value specifically in his 40s, which is he's had better 40s than he did 30s or 20s. Explain that to me.
0: Kale league, league rules, kale, it's H- juice, the, ju- the juice. good juice, kale juice.
1: I was talking about the human growth hormone kind, but no, no accusations here. I'm just joking. That's tongue in cheek. But to, to, to be honest about it, when Tom Brady probably had the future market projections. The same that he did last year is this year. So if you bought Tom Brady last year, even though he's at the tail end of his career, he probably had like a dollar eighty bank value. As soon as he as soon as he announced that he was coming back, that shot up another four dollars of market <laughs> projections. So Tom Brady then was a good buy at that point. So yes, if you think Tom Brady's coming back next year, which I don't see how you anyone would think that, you should be buying Tom Brady. But to look at another quarterback in a similar position, they treat Aaron Rodgers almost a year-to-year basis too. They almost do it like a year and a half, two-year basis with Aaron Rodgers because there's like maybe one, maybe two, but Aaron Rodgers is contracted through four more. So if Aaron Rodgers, he is if, not all right, playing you that say one. That, out. But I got I got two hundred million reasons why he might. If yeah, Aaron,
0: and then he and then he's a, a co-host on the McAfee Show, and he's that's fine. that's all
1: good. That's he's all paid. good. But fifty million a year is, is oh yeah. Well, is listen, a no- that's that's a hefty little do- uh, dollar amount. It's hard to put it away. It's hard. I Listen, I get it. Aaron Rodgers, I, get it. I don't think he's going anywhere Somehow, anytime soon. If you think Aaron Rodgers is going to play two, three, four more years, I don't know how you're not buying.
0: I don't know. At, but, you know, the, that's a the funny part about this conversation right now is somehow we went retro booming on receivers and somehow at the end of all this, we're talking about Tom Brady. Make it make sense. I want to get out of this Tom well, Brady Tom conversation. Tom Brady is a
1: good indicator. Yes, he's, I He's understand. like a, a very good benchmark in, in trying to explain how the market works. And guys that haven't played a game yet are also very good benchmarks. And then retired players that we could show, like, literally, I should have made a graph and I will. I will. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Um, but I didn't intend on having this layered conversation about Listen, the market. These are the I conversations it, it you works. need to have. If you're
0: a new user uh, over at the Mojo market, you need to know this stuff. And again, it's it's different than your typical market. it's not fantasy football. It's where it all meets together. And you got to learn this stuff over Very time. Very
1: simple. Market pro- uh, bank value plus market projections equals shared
0: price. If you're... Which, by the way, I was blown away by yesterday. You're you're playing
1: playing against the market projections. That's what it is. All
0: right. That's what it is. The
1: safety net is the bank value.
0: Retro booming case number two in the books. Um, We hope you guys have enjoyed this show, and we hope you guys uh, are smart about your investments in a DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, What we also want you to do is we want you to subscribe. We want you to subscribe to everything that we have to offer over here, and we have... The app, which obviously you have my uh, trusty, dusty little phone there. How you like that? Uh, you also have to follow us on all of social media platforms at Mojo, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Join the Discord. Join the conversation so experts like Chris can tell you about this stuff throughout the course of the day. If you have any questions, he's there to answer them. Um, you can also head on over to Mojo.com for all the blogs and everything, the in-depth writing that those guys have over there and produce is incredible. So thank you guys for joining us here on a Wednesday tomorrow. Again, I'll say this every week until the season's over. I can't believe it's week six already. I'm just going to keep saying that on Wednesday shows. Like I can't believe it's week seven. Bro, Before you know it, I'm going to be like freezing I, I my head off. <laughs>
1: football season has put me in a blender. Yeah, oh, right? it's,
0: this is the busiest football season gotta that love it. I've ever this been in. This is what we do. I can't even appreciate a 4 1 Cowboys team right now. And I should be. I could sure as. Hell, not appreciate that 3 and 2 Packers team after Sunday. <laughs> so for Dave Starchil Chris Gucci A5 behind the glass. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Week 6 is here.